Hello and welcome to the Silver Screen Superheroes Podcast. I am your host, Alex Case, sitting in for Blaine Dowler. This month, we are wrapping up our look at the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchise of films with the 2014 Ninja Turtles film, produced by Michael Bay and directed by Jonathan Liebsman. I apologize if I mangled his last name. This is basically the first Ninja Turtles live-action film since the late 90s. We had gotten the animated film, which I discussed last month. And, well, in the intervening period, we had gotten Ninja Turtles on television in the forms of a animated television series from 2003, which hewed somewhat close to the comics to such a degree that so many of the guest characters who appeared in the comics also appeared in the animated series, including Usagi Yojimbo. No Cerebus, the aardvark, though, but we got Usagi Yojimbo. There was also a rather dire live-action television series, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles The Next Mutation. And from there, the series had continued off and on in comic book form, and it kind of appeared off and on in animated form, but that was pretty much it. And when the Ninja Turtles series was being or the, the film series was being revived, when Michael Bay's name was attached to it, considering his track record from the Transformers films, there was concern. Further, when some rumors came out about the film's production, include, and some of the planned early scripts, including a script that had the Turtles being aliens, these were also rather cons- led to some concern among the fan base. Reportedly, many of these, the more controversial things that were Nicks from the film, such as the Turtles being aliens, were things that Michael Bay, rather than being the one who came up with them, was the one who pushed against them due to the pushback that he'd received um, with from fans with the Transformers films and allegedly having learned from that. I can't speak for certain. I was not involved in the meetings with on Transformers or on the Ninja Turtles films, so I can't say how much involvement there was. In any case, this film... Um, has a decent cast. We have Megan Fox from the Transformers series coming over to play April O'Neil. She's okay in this movie. She's not her performance. It performance does not stand out. I will say that. Will Arnett plays the character Vernon Fenwick, who is a character who is an immigrant who first appeared in the '80s animated series, and he's a bit more sympathetic role here. William Fickner plays an original character in this film as Eric Sachs. Fickner is perhaps best known most recently from, well, The Lone Ranger, where he plays Butch Cavendish, the antagonist, and in, well, Dark Knight, where he plays the mob banker, among several other series. It's the most standout roles he's been in have been roles where he's playing a bad guy, so it's the kind of situation where, while his character appears sympathetic at first, it is not that much of a surprise when it is revealed that he is, in fact, the villain. Other than that, other cast members of note. Most of the turtles, or three of four turtles, are voiced by the same person who does performance capture for them. The other turtles have done is they have actors doing performance capture and then being replaced with CGI, with a couple of exceptions. There is performance capture for all four turtles and Splinter, but not necessarily the same people doing the same roles. The role of Splinter has performance capture done by Danny Woodburn and Splinter himself voiced by Tony Shalhoub. Shalhoub is probably best known right now for his role 
as the title character in Monk, the detect the um, mystery television series on NBC. Performance capture for the role was done by an actor by the name of Danny Woodburn. Woodburn is a little person and has done various degrees of done a fair number of acting roles. Probably best known for before this, Death Smoochie. He's had recurring roles in Bones and recurring roles in a few films in the um, in the um, Santa Claus series. He also has an uncredited appearance in Watchmen. Reportedly, Woodburn wanted to do voice acting for Splinter in addition to uh, performance capture, but instead they wanted to go with Shalhoub. I don't know how much the performance capture the actors did was also related to the martial arts scenes. I wasn't able to find out any information on that. Or if the martial arts were also done, or just completely done in CGI. Entirely possible. The only choreographer listed is a movement choreographer, Nito La Rosa, who may have been involved with blocking the, the scenes with the CGI. Fight coordinator... Uh, we have a fight coordinator on the film, a stunt coordinator, but that's pretty much it. Michelangelo does have a state board stunt double, but I'm not seeing dedicated stunt doubles or stunt players for the turtles themselves. We do have one for Splinter. Okay, yeah, we all right. We do have stunt doubles. My apologies, credited for each of the turtles. So the actors did not do the the Matrix thing and capture not only physical performance on set but also fight scene performance, which is a little bit of a bummer. Moving on, we have Alan Richson as Raphael, both voice and performance. Richson is currently, uh, most recently been in the YouTube Red film Laser Team, produced by Rooster Teeth, along with various television roles, including playing Aquaman in Smallville. Donatello is played and performance captured by Jeremy Howard. And Howard, not much in terms of well-known live-action or television roles. Notable credits have him being in How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the live-action version, and in Galaxy Quest. With his galaxy character in Galaxy Quest being Kyle, who I believe is one of the fans of the series. Noel Fisher performance captures and voices Michelangelo. Fisher was in. Battle of Los Angeles, and also was in Twilight, the Twilight films, particularly Breaking Dawn Part 2. Finally, our other split character in terms of performance and voice is Leonardo. Leonardo was performance captured by Pete Plozek, and I apologize if I mangled his name, and voiced by Johnny Knoxville, which is probably considered the most significant casting against type. Now, Knoxville is a member of the which is the Jackass crew, as far as the people who participated in the television series Jackass, including, who wasn't in, let me say, like, various skaters and comedians and that sort of thing. Knoxville is probably the longest performance outside of Jackass, including stuff like Bad Grandpa, among other projects, uh, Drunk History. He's part of the uh, CKY, Camp Kill Yourself, original series of videos. Which is odd, in terms of casting him for this, because Leonardo is the resp- 
if you're with the Ninja Turtles, he's the responsible one. And they basically got the more irresponsible one, to, a very irresponsible person, a person who's known for his irresponsibility, to play him. I would have almost more thought of Knoxville as Michelangelo rather than Leonardo. Anyway, Pete Plozek, very short acting career thus far. He had been, as Ninja Turtles, only been acting for, as far as IMDb credits, only go back to 2012. He was on, like, one episode of Parks and Rec, in terms of roles of note. Of other note in the f- characters and actors of note in the film's cast, we have Whoopi Goldberg as Bernadette Thompson, who is April's editor at Channel, or basically the, the news editor for Channel 6 News, or her boss. We have Tohoru Masamune has the Shredder. Masamune is an Asian-American actor, it's worth mentioning. He's not an actor who has primarily an international film cast, uh, film, filmography. However, his prior work has primarily had him playing heavies, basically. He played a Yakuza boss man on a television series called Solo for... About six episodes. He played a handful of episodes, like less than a handful of episodes of um, Heroes. He was on. He had some voice acting roles. He played a nameless agent, CTU agent on Twenty Four. He was in the Cape. The character of Karai, who had never been played, appeared in a live action Ninja Turtles film before this, appears in this film, played by I'm going to mangle his name again. Minei Noji, who had previously been in, of note, Memoirs of a Geisha, and has done various levels of voice acting roles, um, including various background roles in Saints Row the Third, character of Rosa in the game Sleeping Dogs, and in the massively multiplayer online game Marvel Heroes, she is the voice of Lady Deathstrike. She's also gone on to the current Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated series, to voice the character of Tang Shen. Tang Shen being, for those not familiar with the Ninja Turtles lore, the deceased love interest and wife of Hamato Yoshi. Other than this, on our cast, we have um, script written by Andre Nemec, Jordan Applebaum, and Kevin and Evan Dougherty. Writers have worked, done some production work. Nemec... Um, was one of the writers on Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Applebaum previously also worked on Ghost Protocol. In fact, I'm pretty, pretty sure they were... In fact, yeah, two of the two of the, the, uh, the writers on this film, Applebaum and Nemec, are basically appear to be a established writing team. And Daughtery, who is not part of the team, had previously done some writing on Snow Wright and the Hunchman and the Divergence films. It is of note that Applebaum and Nemec have the ampersand, which certainly implies the, the writing team, and Daughtery has an and, which means they're writing separately. Daughtery wrote separately, and it's likely that either Applebaum and Nemec doc- did a script doctor treatment or expanded on ideas from Daughtery's script or something else. So in any case, synopsis of the film's plot. The film follows less the title characters, less the Ninja Turtles, and more follows April O'Neil, who is dissatisfied as her current position as basically doing 
there's a reporter who does um, fluff pieces and puff pieces for Channel 6 News and wants to do something more involved and wants to investigate the current series of crimes going through the city by the Foot Clan. And meanwhile, a unknown vigilante or group of vigilantes have been taking on the Foot Clan. This leads the Foot to taking a bunch of hostages at a subway station. When April recognizes this as an attempt to lure out the vigilante, she somewhat deliberately gets herself captured and gets a first glimpse of the titular Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. These Ninja Turtles were part of a research project that her scientist father was working on when she was a child. The turtles were each named by the by her father, Dr. O'Neill, after Renaissance painters. And there was a lab rat who was part of the project as well, who was named after just named Splinter. When a fire happened in the lab, resulting in Dr. O'Neill's demise, before the turtles and the rat are killed in the fl- flames, April rescues them, and they and the four turtles and Splinter flee into the sewers. When they start to develop intelligence, Splinter discovers a book on the history book on ninjutsu and how to practice ninjutsu, written by a Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, and after teaching himself ninjutsu, then teaches his adoptive sons, and once the Foot Clan emerges, they go to do battle with the Foot. And this is basically where the, the point where things start falling apart. Actually, the first half is kind of where things start falling apart to begin with, and it just starts getting kind of somewhat more and more downhill. First off, prior to this film, every depiction of the Foot in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles related media has either maintained the the, the pretense of subtlety, that the foot are trying to be subtle and discreet and ninja-like. As with the original film, and later films, even going to the CGI stuff, where the um, general, the 2003 film, where the general knows of the foot and is able to get in touch with them, without seemingly that much effort, but then again, he's a wealthy businessman, but anyway. Or in the animated series from the 80s, while Splinter, or or Shredder, and um, Krang are kind of acting out in the open in terms of being fairly overt with their attempts to rule the world. They still maintain the, the visual pretense of ninja with the Foot Clan, even though also the members of the Foot Clan are all robots. In this film, however, the Foot Clan acts less like ninjas and more like a PMC, like a mercenary company, like Blackwater. They carry assault rifles. They drive around in Humvees with machine guns strapped to the top. They act like an open military organization, not like a, not even like a terrorist group, but an open, actively operating military organization within the United States, which is kind of odd considering that, that, that we're, we're living in, we're involved in the New York area. The story is set in the New York area in a, area in a post-9-11 world. And consequently, an organization like the Foot, with the level of hardware they're carrying inside the U.S. borders, would have got theoretically gotten a lot of people's radar before this. So there's the first problem right there. Second, as the film goes on, it becomes clear that Splinter and to some degree the Turtles know more about what happened with with April's father than she does. Some of this is due to them being to Splinter being an eyewitness to the murder. In this case, the the murder being performed by Eric Sachs. But it goes beyond that to Splinter having additional information about the Foot Clan and about um, Shredder 
Now, they've been fighting the Foot Clan for a while before this, but its level of investigation is a little higher than seems reasonable under the circumstances. This also kind of hurts the film's plot to a certain degree, because while the turtles in this film are, are much stronger than they've been in any other interpretation of the characters, in terms of physically stronger, one of having actual super strength, they are... It is weird to have the turtles be ninjas on par with Shredder and have martial arts skills on par with Shredder, even if it's just through team combined teamwork, when they've learned everything they know about ninjutsu from a relatively small book. Additionally, while this film is not directed by Michael Bay, it is it does have certain of certain degree of Bay's directorial signatures on it, to the point where I can't help but feel that the film's director, Liebsman, was trying to, in sort of, for lack of a better term, trying to follow in Bay's footsteps. And looking at Liebsman's prior directorial credits, he is involved with the Platinum Dunes reboot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and several other big spectacle action films like Wrath of the Titans. And... Where this comes up is that the film's action scenes are either just dark enough where it feel where it's a little tricky to follow the action, and yet the, the framing of the shots is such where if the lighting was better, you could clearly see what was going on, almost making me suspect that they weren't too confident of the CGI in these scenes, um, and they were having them in darker lighting to cover up for poor CGI. And on the other side of the coins, when we have scenes in broad daylight, you have a, we have a much better clear view of the action of the CGI, but the action scenes are just so cluttered and busy that we lose any sense of geography and the pacing of the fights themselves are hurt. They just get way too over the top. That said, there are some good fights here. Of particular note, there's a scene in the film where we see... Splinter throw down with several members of the Foot Clan and then finally Shredder. And it is incredibly well choreographed. They take the fight scene is set up in such a way where it takes advantage of the fact that, hey, Splinter has a tail, he's going to use it in fighting. And he they do a whole bunch of really neat stuff with it, and I appreciate that. As someone who considers himself something of a connoisseur of fight scenes and who enjoys martial arts films. Other than that, film is not great. My biggest work of praise for it, aside from the, the choreography of a couple of the fight scenes, particularly the fight scenes with Splinter, is the performance by William Fickner as Eric Sachs, where he goes from a very friendly character to as he is in private and is lets his, can let his evil flag fly to when he's about to pull off his plan and he's interacting with people who knows that he's evil so he doesn't need to hide it, where he just, just gets so gloriously hammy that it, it makes the scenes more enjoyable. That said, this total package of the film is not quite enough to forgive the film's other problems, unfortunately. So getting into the film's box office. The film, according to Box Office Mojo, had a estimated production budget of $125 million and a domestic gross of $191 million, which is about 1.5 times its budget. Now, our general rule of thumb is that a film needs to make t twice its budget back in order to be profitable. So you think, oh, wouldn't make it. 
except that of its total lifetime gross, over half of it is international. $302 million were taken in from the international gross, which alone, on its own, is, is about 2.4 times the film's production budget. This gets, so when you take the whole worldwide gross of 139, sorry, a $439 million and change, that's on that is just shy just shy of four times the film's budget and considering how the financing of films has changed and particularly how the international growth has become more and more of an issue with film budgets i can see this making the film prop um being enough to, to make the film profitable and with the studio probably taking in a little more of the international growth than they would have otherwise which is in turn led to the green lighting of the sequel, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows, which is coming out this year. I believe it's coming out in April, maybe May, a little later this year after this podcast has gone up. So, as far as my thoughts on the film itself go, I found it tolerable. I did not hate it. It was not as painful to the same degree as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 was, but it does have some significant problems narratively, and some of the humor falls flat. In particular, the character of Michelangelo comes across less as goofy and dopey, and more as kind of sexual har- sexual harassy against April. So, I will say that this film is probably not worth it. It's not worth going out to see unless you're seeing it for a podcast like I am, or unless you're really planning on watching the sequel, or you're a big Turtle fan. It was tolerable, but that's pretty much all it was. So... Next month, we are moving away from the Ninja Turtles and mutant anthropomorphic critters to something a little more culty as we take a look at Hellboy. Tune in next month and we'll get that cover and that pod, that show, the film will be covered on this feed. If you enjoyed the show, please rate the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever your podcaster of choice is. It helps the show get discovered, and please come to Bureau42.com and check out our other podcasts, including the Greatest Science Fiction Film Tournament podcast, which is part of our master audio feed. It's currently kind of a bit of a hiatus because I'm focusing on this show at the moment. Also, there is Comic Book Physics and the the unofficial 75 Greatest Marvel Countdown podcasts, which are hosted by Blaine Dowler, who normally hosts this show. Both of those podcasts are absolutely fantastic and definitely worth your time. So... Until next month, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you then.